right. Okay. Okay. I got six fifty eight on my. Six fifty eight, six fifty nine. Yeah, sure. Okay. Just don't start another song. Good evening, and welcome to the first ever Indiana State Great Commission Workshop. My name is David Dean, and I am so glad you have decided to join us tonight. This evening, our time will be spent in four different sessions. It will begin, first of all, with the vision of what it means to be a Great Commission movement in a broken world. That will go from about 7.10 till about 7.25, and I'll give you about a, a five-minute break to discuss some of the things that you're talking about. And then the second session will be the process of becoming a Great Commission church, and that will start at 7.30. Or I'm sorry, seven, yes, 7.30, and go to 8.50. And then we're going to give you about a 10-minute break
to discuss, reflect, write down questions, uh, whatever that you may need to do. Then session three will start at 8 o'clock, and we will talk about the people that are needed uh, to build a Great Commission church. It will go to about 8.20. We'll give you again about a 10-minute break, and then the, the last session will begin at 8.30 and go to 8.50. And if you are able to write in questions, uh, we can do questions and answers uh, from 8.50 to 9 o'clock. Let me just say again, we are so grateful that you have decided to take time to come with us. And uh, it was after discussion with our host pastor, Greg Hall, at our Dublin church that we made the decision to do the workshop online. Now, we did it for a number of reasons. First, it relieves you of the burden and the expense of having to travel either late at night or early on Saturday morning. And so we hope this will make it more convenient for you. Secondly, you can watch it personally, as some of you, I believe, are doing and watching it either on your computer or on your phone. And you can watch it personally in the comfort of your own home. What a beautiful thing technology is. Or thirdly, you can gather as a church collectively, and I'm not sure exactly uh, how all of you are gathering together tonight. Uh, or you can view it as a small group in a home where you can sit around and, and look at it being cast on either a TV screen or a computer screen, and you'll be able to discuss it. And the best thing about it is it is being recorded so that you can use it for future reference and you can use it for either uh, teaching or review or whatever you would like to use it for. So I just want again thank you for joining us online. This workshop is being presented by the General Evangelism Department of the Churches of Christ in Christian Union. But it is being produced here at Cap City Church where Pastor Jonathan Barker is our lead pastor and where I serve as the growth pastor. The workshop will be made more productive if you were able to get one of these workbooks which talk about a Great, Com a Great Commission Movement workbook. If you have one of these, you can follow along with me very easily, and there are some changes that are coming to the workbook, uh, but uh, you can follow me right along. And so if you don't have this workbook, you can go to Amazon and you can order it, Amazon on Prime, and it can be delivered right to you. It's called a Great Commission Movement Workbook, and you can get as many copies as you would like. So... Again, thank you for coming. I do want to say uh, and bring greetings from our general superintendent, Dr. Mike Holbrook. Uh, he has been in uh, the state of Tennessee and just got back and has had some uh, things that he is dealing with today. And so he wanted me to tell you how much he appreciated you coming and, and observing and watching this workshop online. And really, as we talk about in our first session, uh, really it's been his vision and his heart that has brought us to where we are today. I also would like to bring you greetings from our West Central District Superintendent, Reverend Joe Duvall. And uh, Reverend Duvall is over the West Central churches in the state of Indiana. 
and he is bringing greetings, and we are grateful for all the work that Pastor Joe has done for the West Central District and our churches, and I know that you love Pastor Joe as well. And then also, for those of you in the South Central District, I want to bring greetings from Reverend Gary Heinbach, and he tells me that he is getting ready to fly to Arizona and then California early in the morning, and so he was not able to join us. So... Um, we're just grateful that God is working in our denomination. I believe he's doing a new thing. I believe he's still moving. I believe he's still speaking. I still believe he is doing great things. So let us begin to understand what it means and what it takes to become a great commission movement in a broken world. And I'd like for you, if you will, to turn, if you have your book, if you will open it to the first page, uh, you will see a letter there from uh, our general superintendent, Dr. Holbrook, and he, in that letter, is giving his uh, introduction to this wonderful ministry of the Great Commission movement. And so if you would take your workbook and just look at page, it's not really the first page, but it is the first page in the book. It's not numbered number one, but it also is a letter from our general superintendent, uh, Dr. Mike Holbrook, and, and you will hear about his heart and hear about his vision. And so as we continue, Dr. Michael Holbrook is helping us this evening by giving us uh, his vision and his heart. So let me begin tonight just by talking about the vision of what it means to be a Great Commission movement. What does it mean to be a Great Commission movement in a broken world? Let me just say that when Dr. Holbrook was elected general superintendent, he began to seek the Lord. This has been four years ago. He began to seek the Lord for what he called a word from the Lord, and a word for, for our denomination from the Lord as to what God would have us to do in these next four years and, and eight years now that he has been reelected. And he came back to the General Board of Trustees and he said to us that as he had been praying and waiting before the Lord, that the Lord brought into his mind and into his heart that God wanted our denomination to become a Great Commission movement. A Great Commission movement and also a movement with a Great Commandment mandate. I know you're familiar with these verses, but would you just look at them and, and see them on the screen here? Where in Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Great Commission. Can you imagine as our denomination is beginning to focus that we want to become a Great Commission movement? And a Great Commission movement with a great commandment mandate. And you know this wonderful promise and command 
when the man came to Jesus and asked the question, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, Luke 10, 27. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So as Dr. Holbrook began to think with us and pray, he began to come up with this idea of becoming a great movement. And that word great is an acrostic, and it stands for different things. And when you look at the word great, it breaks down into G, R, E, A, T. And Dr. Holbrook has said that he desires that our denomination become a great commission movement. And he desires that we be great in the sight of God. So what does this word great really mean? Let's look at it for just a moment. It means that the G in great stands for that our vision is that we want our churches to grow. And we want our individuals to grow. We want you to grow in your faith. We want you to grow in your walk with God. We want you to be able to become all that God wants you individually to be, as well as we want to see what God can do in your church. And also, we want you to be able to grow in your relationships. Your relationships, that we begin to understand that God wants us to have relationships with one another, with the body of Christ, and then especially with people who are far from God. We'll never be able to reach them for Christ unless we build a relationship with them. And so the vision of becoming a great commission movement is about growing, it's about relationships, it's also about equipping. And we come to the place of understanding where we as a denomination want to be able to equip you. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're trying to equip leaders who can then in turn equip your people and equip the church to become uh, acceptable and to become advanced and to become all that God wants you to be as a Great Commission movement. The A in the word vision stands for action. You know, we have all talked about and we talk a lot about evangelism. We talk a lot about discipleship. We talk about many different things, but God is wanting us to do more, and you'll see as we end this uh, session tonight, uh, we're going to talk about getting into action. But we must take action. It's not enough to just talk about it. It's not enough to think about it. It's not enough to say, I believe in it. God wants us to take action. And so the whole vision of becoming a Great Commission movement Deals with growing, relationships, equipping, and action. And the last word is the word together. And I just want you to know that uh, this is Dr. Holbrook's favorite word of all time. 
He loves the word together. And we are talking about doing many things together. And let me tell you who else loves the word together. God loves the word together. It is not that we should be our own little kingdoms here and there, but we should be all together one in the body of Christ. Districts, although we are different in district status, we are one in our mission. And the general department and the districts and even churches uh, that perhaps are not in our denomination, God wants us to work together as one in order that we might be able to achieve and accomplish uh, this work of taking the Great Commission and taking the good news uh, to the nations of the earth. So the vision is about growing relationships, equipping, action, and together. And when we begin to think about the power of our vision, the power of our vision is that the Great Commission is focused on two things. Not just evangelism, but it's also focused on discipleship. And we are going to talk about that as we move through this session. It's not just enough to lead someone to Christ, but we must, meet, we must learn how to help them to grow into a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And when you understand that the power of our vision comes not only from the Great Commission, but it comes from our great heritage as a denomination. As you look back over the years of our denomination, our forefathers had a great vision. Reverend Melvin Maxwell one time told me that he thought that our denomination would sweep across the country and reach thousands and thousands of people. And, and while we've not done all of that, God has helped us. But may we come back to that original fire and that original vision and that original idea that by God's help and by God's grace that we're going to fulfill not only the Great Commission but also to fulfill our great heritage. The result of our vision is simply this. It is transformation. It is changed lives. We don't need to talk about something that is not going to change lives. I am grateful today that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ transformed my own heart. I was changed when I came to the knowledge of Christ. And all of those who come to know Christ, come to know him in transforming power. And lives are changed. And because lives are changed, I believe homes can be changed. And because homes are changed, I believe churches can be transformed. Because churches are transformed, I believe we can see a community transformed. And because we see a community transformed, I believe we can see a nation and a world touched for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when you begin to understand Dr. Holbrook's vision, and we talked on the evangelism committee what would it look like in our denomination to really begin to see what does a Great Commission movement look like? Well, we have set down some goals, and, and can I just tell you that uh, at our last general council, we were able to reach 106 churches that one way or another, in one part of the process or another, has decided they want to be a Great Commission church. 
the issue is that they need to move forward so they can take uh, the, the equipping and the action and the working together. But when we talk about a Great Commission movement, what would that look like? And we talk about it and we have said it is our desire to see 100 churches in our denomination establish, first of all, a Great Commission prayer list. You say, what is that? We will talk about that as we move forward. The second is that we're praying that out of our denomination, there would be 100 Great Commission prayer warriors that day after day would be lifting up the names and the people and the faces and the families of lost people, that they feel that that is their ministry to be praying for lost people. We are thirdly praying and asking God to give us a thousand Great Commission witnesses. You say, what does that mean? We will talk about it, but think about what would happen in our denomination if we had a thousand people in this denomination, in your church, two or three or five, or if you have as many as 10, if you have a small church, it may be two or three, if you have a little larger church, what would happen if you have 10 people who are trying to reach one person for Christ? Can you imagine what would happen in the life of our denomination if there were a thousand new people added every year to what we are doing? And then number four, we are praying for 100 Great Commission churches with a discipleship process. Discipleship is at the heart and the goal of the Great Commission. We will talk more about this. But many churches that talk about the idea of discipleship really don't have a process moving forward. And we just sort of hope uh, that people will grow in their walk of faith. Number five, we're praying for 100 Great Commission Community Christ followers. And I am so excited about this, and we will talk about that as we uh, talk about what is a community Christ follower. And then sixthly, 100 churches sharing stories. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear what's happening in the Little Red Church. We want to hear what's happening in Hillham. We want to hear what's happening in Bluffton. We want to hear what's happening at Dover Hill. We want to hear what's happening in all of our churches, Elwood and different places. We want to know what God is doing. And so we are praying that you will begin to share stories, not only with us, but with one another, of God's transforming grace and God's transforming work. When you look about the components of a Great Commission movement, it involves three things. It involves, first of all, our denomination beginning to see rise up Great Commission Christians. There is no use talking about a Great Commission movement. There is no use talking about a Great Commission church if we don't have people who have caught the flame and who have caught the fire of becoming a Great Commission Christian themselves. It always begins with one. It always begins with you. The second is that it will then also include Great Commission 
churches, churches that are saying, we want to be a part of, of what's going on. We want to be a part of this larger effort. We want to be bigger than just where we are. We want to be a part of something that is reaching around the world and touching lives for Christ. And the good news is, you can be. You can be, and we want you to be. And the third is what we call a Great Commission Fellowship. And technology is a wonderful, wonderful tool. And I'm praying and, and we're planning right now that quarterly, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be able to have a, a live stream or a Zoom uh, of some kind where people can gather from Arizona and Wyoming and New York and, and uh, Delaware and Maryland and Florida and all the places in between and begin to say, this is what God is doing. This is how he's helping. This is where we're running into difficulty. This are some of the things that we're struggling with, and we just need the help of each other. So, just in retrospect, let me again say that as we go through this book, the first page is Dr. Holbrook's letter. And I would encourage you, if you have this book with you, would you please take a few moments and would you read through this letter as we are going to give you just a five-minute discussion break here in just a moment. Uh, would you read through that and then as we begin to talk about uh, session two that will begin promptly at 7.30, uh, we would like you to be able to follow along with the Great Commission workbook if you don't have it, it's not a problem. You can write it down or you can remember that uh, it's going to be recorded or something that uh, some of the young people have taught me. You can take a picture of your television screen or your, your computer screen. It will save you a lot of writing. It will save you a lot of, of headache. So uh, with your phone, just take a picture uh, of what we're presenting. So the vision that God has given to us as a denomination from our leader, our general superintendent, is that God is calling us to become and to be a Great Commission movement. We're still all trying to understand and grasp all that that means. And I would tell you today that none of us are all quite sure what this all looks like. But I know in my heart and I know in my soul that God has called us as a denomination to become a Great Commission movement. And I'm asking you and your church to join with us in this call that I believe that God can help us and God can use your church. It's not about being big. It's not about just becoming larger. It's about becoming fruitful in the kingdom of God. And so our heart is that we will become a great commission movement with a great commandment mandate. So this is the vision. And as we begin to go through uh, these next sessions, we will begin to talk about how this vision becomes a reality. So thank you. And we're going to go to a discussion break right now and we're going to give you uh, about uh, six minutes till 7 30 
You can talk if you're with people. If you're alone, you can reflect or write and you can talk about it. But we're giving you a five-minute break to discuss, to think, to pray, and to get ready for session number two. God bless you and take a break and we'll see you back in about six minutes. God bless you.
I hope you had a discussion time and a reflection time. I've been trying to uh, at least to, um, to text many of our pastors to see if this is coming through and they are texting back and saying yes, uh, it is coming through. If you are trying to watch on your device and it's not coming through, um, perhaps you could contact your pastor uh, or you could contact uh, Pastor Greg Hall, uh, who is our host pastor for this, and uh, he can help you and direct you uh, to where you can get online. So, so we've talked about the vision of becoming a Great Commission Church. Now I'd like to talk to you about the whole idea of the process. What does it take to become a Great Commission Church? If you have a workbook, turn to page number two. Page number two, and at the top it will say, Evangelism, the heart of a Great Commission Church. And as you know, I'm serving as the Director of Evangelism here and Growth Pastor at uh, Capital City Church. So we're going to talk right now about the process. And one of the things that we do oftentimes is that we, we cast vision, and vision's wonderful, but a vision without really a plan and a process becomes nothing more than wishful thinking. If we are going to move into becoming a Great Commission movement, and for you personally now as we begin to focus on the local church, it's going to take a process of how do I go about putting this together? And the big thing is our church is very small. Can we do this in a small church? The answer is yes. It was designed specifically to be able to be adjusted to whatever size church you may have. If you only have 25 or 30 or less, uh, you may not be able to put all of the people, but you can get all of the places filled. So you need to understand this process. And so it's not about having to be a big church. It's not having to be uh, something that you're not. We want it to fit where you are, and we're just trying to give you the ideas that you can use, and I hope that you as a pastor, you as a church and a church board and a church congregation will begin to put the pieces together in a way and a manner that fits your church. Regardless of how large or small our churches may be, we must understand that the Great Commission applies to us all, whether we're a church of 10 or whether we're a church of 1,000. And so may God help us to understand and give us wisdom to know how we can begin to put some of these things together in a way that we are able to uh, make this process work in our own church. So here's how we have outlined the process if a church truly wants to become a Great Commission church. The first is, and you would ask the question, what does a Great Commission church look like? Well, there are a number of answers here. The first thing that happens is that the pastor and the church board needs to appoint a Great Commission team. The pastor needs to be able to feel comfortable with whoever 
it is that is working in this capacity. And the church board needs to come alongside this pastor and give this, this position more than just, hey, will you do this? It needs to have some authority. We're not necessarily saying that this position needs to be a board position. We're not saying that. But we are saying that the pastor and the church board needs to appoint a Great Commission team. Now, you might ask, well, why doesn't the pastor do that? Well, the pastor has many different responsibilities, and there's no doubt the pastor is going to be the primary mover and worker in this, but he has many other things to concentrate on. And we have found in the General Evangelism Committee, it works much better if there is someone who is in charge and appointed in charge of evangelism and discipleship in the local church. For example, if I would come to your church and I would say, who is the Sunday school superintendent or the person that's in charge of Christian education? You could point me to the person. If I asked you, who is in charge of the church finance? You could point someone there. If I ask you, who is in charge of the missionary department? You could point to someone there. Even if I ask you who's in charge of the ECL department, you could probably point someone and say, this person's in charge of the ECL. But if I came in and asked you who's in charge of the evangelism department in the church, most of you would look around and say, well, we all do it. Or it, that's the pastor's job. That's why uh, we pay him. We're saying to you, the way it begins is it begins with the pastor and church board appointing a director of, of evangelism. If you have enough people to appoint two other people with them, you can do that. If not, then let that director oversee all the different areas that we will talk about. But you need to have someone appointed and ratified by your church board as the great commission team. Until you do this, really, you're just kind of just hoping and, uh, and hoping that things will happen. The second is that the church needs to establish a great commission prayer list. Now you say, well, what is a great commission prayer list? What's different about a great commission prayer list? Just this. When we take prayer requests in our normal services or in our normal gatherings, 90% of our inquiries and requests focus on people who are having physical issues. Should we pray for physical issues? Of course. Should we pray for people who are going through surgery and people who are recovering and people who have lost loved ones? Absolutely. But the Great Commission prayer list is something different. This is a list that focuses only on unsaved people. At Cap City Church, uh, we have a little ark that we built, and it's, it's beautiful. And uh, people put the names of unsaved people in that little ark. And we know that they're not going to be embarrassed. We're not going to do something to cause them to be embarrassed. But our people can understand that they can put names of unsaved loved ones. And people pray over those names on a regular basis. Every Sunday morning at Cap City, they gather together and the team prays uh, only for those who are unsaved. 
on Tuesday, we gather together in a prayer meeting here and we pray for all of the requests of the church, whether it be uh, physical or emotional or relational, whatever it might be. But the Great Commission prayer list is a great way to start thinking and having your people think about lost people. Thirdly, Great Commission prayer, prayer warriors need to be recruited. Now, what's the difference between a prayer warrior? All of us should pray. Absolutely, we should all pray. We should all pray for unsaved people. That's exactly right. But when we're talking about Great Commission prayer warriors, we are talking about people who feel that their ministry is prayer. They feel that God has called them, and their greatest ministry is praying. We will look a little more about that when we talk about uh, the people that it takes to make a Great Commission church. But we need people, prayer warriors, people who would say, we are praying, and it is our ministry, and we are calling unto God day and night and praying that God will work in such a way that people are saved. I can remember as I grew up, in fact, the Cap City Church is now kind of an outgrowth of the old Reeb Avenue Church where I grew up. And I remember some of the, we used to call them back in those days, the mothers in Israel that would pray for lost sons and lost daughters. And people would come and weep and pray, and people would fast and pray that people would get saved. Can I just tell you, it's not any easier today. In fact, in many ways, it's probably harder today. We need people who feel called of God to be a prayer warrior and to give themselves to the great work of prayer. The fourth thing is that we would like to have Great Commission witnesses challenged. A Great Commission witness is a person who says, I am willing to be one person in our church, just one, that will make a covenant with the Lord that I'm going to try to reach one person this year. It might be my neighbor. It might be my colleague at work. It might be my friend. It might be a family member, though I would just tell you that Family members are the most difficult to reach. We all go there first, and that is our greatest concern and heart, and we should pray and, and believe God and pray passionately for them. But trying to win our own family members sometimes can be a challenge. And so looking outside of your family, would God help you to reach just one person? We used to sing an old song years ago, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. And love that soul through me. And may I nobly do my part to win that soul for thee. That is what the prayer of a Great Commission witness is. Lord, lay somebody on my heart. Who is that somebody? Who is it that I need to reach out to? Who is it I need to build a relationship? Who is it that I need to be able to invite to church and maybe they will come? Great Commission witnesses are challenged. The next is that we need to, a Great Commission discipleship process needs to be adopted. We're going to talk to you a little bit more when we talk about the people. But most churches 
that I know of, their discipleship process is not very strong. In fact, I remember while I was pastoring at Brookside Church that we had a gentleman come from California and he was doing a discipleship meeting with our church and also with our staff. And as we were talking about discipleship, he looked at me in front of my staff and he said, David, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, who discipled you? And I thought for a minute and I said, well, I, I had an uncle who prayed with me. He said, no, I'm not asking. I know you did that, but I mean, did someone take you individually through the word and help you? I said, no, I don't think they did. He said, that's why you don't have a high value on discipleship in your church, kind of stung in front of my whole staff. And so we started uh, beginning to change that culture. But most of us have not had someone walk with us one-on-one -on -one to where we can begin to understand what it really means to be a disciple and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a Great Commission church will adopt a process. We will talk about that as we get further into this session. But you must adopt a discipleship process. And then third, Great, Great Commission community Christ followers need to be challenged. And I will just say this, we'll go a little further into it, but community Christ followers, just exactly what the name implies, they have a heart for their community. They have a heart to reach beyond the walls of the church and to find out where people are and to find out what the needs are, and to find out how we can address them, and to find out how we can see what God would want us to do. If our efforts are only contained within the walls of the church, we will never be all that God wants us to be. If we just simply get on our knees every day and pray, God, send them in, God is not going to do for us what he's commanded us to do. There are some things only God can do, and we are wise to know that. Only God can convict a heart. Only God can transform a life. Only God can take the word of God and take it to someone's soul. Only God can bring conviction. We can't do those things, and so we have to leave those things to God. But there are also some things that God will not do, and those are the things that he's commanded us to do. He's not going to go in our community for us. He is not going to go as the hands and feet. He's already come and he's commanded us to go. Someone said, do you really think that people that don't have an opportunity to hear the gospel are really going to be lost? And I love what one missionary said. He said, that's before God. And I, as I understand the word, that's exactly what happens. But I'm more concerned about the church who knows we should be taking the gospel to the lost and we decide that we're not going to do that. So, Great Commission Community Christ followers need to be challenged. And then, lastly, Great Commission churches need to be committed to community transformation. This is the cry of my heart. It's the burden of my soul. It is what I desire 
uh, to see happen. In fact, uh, on October the 20th, uh, on a Thursday from 1 to 3, and you have an extended invitation to come. Uh, here at Cap City, we are having Dr. John Maxwell come, and he is going to speak to us here at Cap City and some of the leaders in Columbus, Ohio, and other places about this whole matter of community transformation. How do we reach in to our community, and what do we do to see our community changed for Christ? And then lastly, the Great Commission team reports to the local church. Well, what do you mean, reports? You cannot see it tonight uh, on the walls of this local church, but Cap City Church has a mission statement that we have operated with in the last three or four years, three years since uh, of our uh, coming together. And the mission of the Cap City Church is to help people find God, find freedom, find purpose, and find fulfillment. What a great report that would be for all of us. How many people really have come to Christ this year? How many people in your church have really been led to Christ? Not necessarily that they just come to your church, but how many of them? have really come to Christ? How many have been led to a sanctified experience and knowing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives? And how many are on some kind of a discipleship uh, process? That's finding freedom, finding purpose. We use what we call growth tracks here. And that is to help people not only uh, know that they're saved, but they also know uh, about membership in the church and they find their spiritual gifts and they find their purpose and they begin to understand. How many people in your church have really discovered what God has created them to do? Do they know their spiritual gifts? Do they know what God has called them to do? And lastly, find fulfillment. You can only be fulfilled when you're doing ministry. And instead of measuring how many people come every Sunday, one of the great measuring sticks of all of our churches ought to be how many people are involved in ministry every Sunday. For it's only when we are involved in ministry that we truly find fulfillment. And when we begin to understand what this process looks like. We don't want it to be complicated. It doesn't always have to be all different people. There could be a leader who is also a prayer warrior or also uh, a witness or a discipleship person. It doesn't have to have many, many people to make this work. It can be done with just a few. In fact, it could be done uh, with as little as four. It could be done with as little as one if they would say, by God's grace, I'm going to be a great commission witness and I'm going to do uh, these things. So understanding today that the vision of becoming a great commission movement rests on the heart of the local church. And let me just tell you what this says in page number two as we approach our next discussion break. In page number two, it says this, the local church stands at the heart of our denomination. Everything rises or falls on the work of the local church. The General Evangelism Committee is asking each local church 
to become a Great Commission local church. I want you to think about this, and we're going to take a 10-minute break for you to discuss, to think, to be refreshed, and at 8 o'clock we will come back and begin session three. God bless you.
back. And I trust that you had uh, a good time of reflection, discussion, thinking, uh, refreshment, and uh, we're glad you're back. Let me just mention before we go into session number three about the people uh, that we need uh, to become and to build a Great Commission Church. Um, and if you're watching online, if you could just leave a comment on our website there. Uh, we understand that our General Superintendent Mike Holbrook joined us. And uh, Mike, if you're still with us, God bless. Thank you uh, for joining with us. Uh, we understand that our folks from Hillham have joined with us, and I am. I think that the Little Red Church, Greg Hall, has joined with us, and I think there are others, but we would like for you, if you would, uh, to leave, if you can, just leave a comment and to tell us who's watching with you. Uh, we'd just like to have an idea uh, of what's going on, and then after this is over, I will be sending all of you uh, an evaluation sheet so you can tell me um, how bad or how good this was, which, uh, however you may think it may be. So uh, thank you again for coming, and uh, thank you for holding with us here as we enter into uh, this last hour together. I want to talk to you, uh, session three, about the people that are needed uh, to become a Great Commission church. Again, I want to emphasize you don't have to have, these don't all have to be different people. In fact, if you've only got a few, then if you say, I'm going to be the general evangelism or the evangelism director of this local church, then perhaps you can become a witness, you can become a prayer warrior, you can become the discipler. Uh, if you can get two other people with you or a few others with you, uh, it can help you to become uh, the Great Commission Church that God wants you to be. However, as we talk about this, just keep in mind, I am not saying all of these different things have to be different people, but I am saying that all of these different roles are going to have to be filled in a church if you're going to be a Great Commission Church. It can be filled by one person, it can be filled by two, uh, but somehow you've got to look at this and say, okay, God helping us, this is what we need to do in order to become a Great Commission Church. If you have your workbook, uh, if you will turn then to page number three, we will talk about the first one, and page number three talks about that evangelism is actually at the heart uh, of the local church and the heart of the Great Commission. And on chapter uh, page number three, evangelism, the heart of a Great Commission witness. A Great Commission witness is an individual who's made a commitment to touch the world with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like and what does that mean? A Great Commission witness is a person, and it's all written there in your book, is a person who understands that sharing our faith is both a privilege and a responsibility. It's not just for a few, so it's all of our responsibility, and it's also all of our privilege. God has done a wonderful work in our heart and in our lives, and so therefore, it is both our privilege and responsibility. If we just 
focus on the responsibility of it, we lose the joy of it. If we just focus on the privilege of it, we lose the sense of responsibility. So a Great Commission witness understands that sharing our faith is both a privilege and a responsibility. A Great Commission witness has somehow put together their own story or their own testimony. We are doing this right now at Cap City Church. I am teaching a class called uh, The Contagious Christian. And we are trying to teach people how to tell their story uh, in three minutes or less. And that is that you begin with what my life was before Christ, how I came to Christ, and how my life has changed after Christ. Understand your testimony is very powerful. And people may argue with the Bible, they may argue with your church, they may argue with your uh, anything that you have, but they cannot argue with what God's done in your life. And then thirdly, a Great Commission witness identifies and builds relationships with unchurched people. Now that's not just simply walking up to him and saying, if you die today, you're ready to go to heaven. There may be occasion and time for that. But most of the time, we build a relationship. And most of the time, we begin to earn trust. Sometimes you can earn trust quickly. Sometimes it takes many, many years. But we identify those people that God is laying on our heart. A Great Commission witness also attempts to discover another person's spiritual state of mind. Well, how in the world can I do that? I can't read their mind. No, you can't. But you can ask a question. And the question can be as simple as, do you have a church home? It'll tell you about where they are. Or you can ask them, do you ever think much about spiritual things? You might be amazed how people will respond. And uh, you can just ask a question and to find out where people are, and they'll let you know where they are spiritually. And then uh, a Great Commission witness is a person who prays for lost people every day. I have a list that I pray for every day. But may God lay someone on your heart that you can pray for, but not just pray for. But let's go back to our acronym on great, not only growing, relationships, equipping, but taking action. That action is required. So praying for lost people every day. And then number six, becomes a true friend to a lost person. Church people are not looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a friend. People are not looking for people to correct them. They're looking for a friend. And if you're going to help lead other people to Christ, you need to become a friend. And then number seven, they determine to share both the love and message of Jesus Christ. What's the difference? We show the love of Christ when we do good deeds. We share the message of Christ when we share the gospel. And we need to understand if we only share the love of Christ, they never hear the gospel. If we only share the message of Christ, they never understand the love of Christ. So a great commission witness has determined, I want to determine to share both the love and the, the message of Jesus Christ. And then if you will then look then to the next page and you will see that there is a great commission prayer warrior. A Great Commission Prayer Warrior on page number four. And a Great Commission Prayer Warrior, we need to understand that prayer is not the last resort. Prayer is the first resort. 
In fact, I would go as so far to say that prayer is essential to seeing God work in the lives of the unsaved. It was Billy Graham who made this statement that it was rare for someone to come to Christ that someone has not prayed for. I want you to think on that. Who's praying for your neighbor? Who's praying for your colleague? Who's praying for that person that is close to you? Prayer is essential. Prayer is essential for all evangelism efforts to be successful. We have no desire to try to do this on our own. We have no desire to try to do this in our own strength, in our own hearts. That's why prayer is essential. Number two, prayer is essential for all evangelism efforts to be successful. Number three, prayer for the unsaved to come to Christ is always in God's will. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. And so praying for the unsaved to come to Christ is always in God's will. Number four, prayer is always the indispensable weapon in the battle for souls. We will never see people won. We'll never see lives transformed if we don't go to our knees. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. That's what the scripture says. And as we come praying and weeping and bringing and bearing our sheaves, then we understand that prayer is indispensable and we need those prayer warriors. We need to expect that spiritual warfare will come when we're trying to pray for unsaved people. The devil will not leave us alone. The devil will not go off and say, isn't that wonderful? They're trying to get everyone saved. We need to expect spiritual warfare when praying for unsaved people. And we also need to know that prayer can remove the obstacles in reaching lost people. Prayer can remove the obstacles and we can understand that we can see lost people come to Christ in great praying. And the last thing, when we pray, we can overcome the evil one. I'm sorry, not the last one, number seven. We can overcome the evil one. And the last one is this. Don't ever, ever, ever give up praying for lost people. And a Great Commission church challenges Great Commission witnesses, but they recruit and talk to people who feel the call of God to pray in their hearts. That is their greatest need. Then thirdly, we talk about discipleship being the goal of a Great Commission movement. Let's just look in the Word. We have not looked into the Word tonight, and I want to look in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read verses 14 through 16, because this is what discipleship is all about. And here's what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. May I tell you, that is the picture of discipleship. And we are saying that there are three periods, three different uh, times or time frames 
that you need to consider in building a discipleship process. The first is what we call initial discipleship. That's right after a person gets saved. Their hearts are open and God has done a great thing. And usually what we do is say, God bless you, and we think the battle's over. No, the battle has just started. In our local church here uh, at Cap City, I know that some would rather not use this book, but we have found it to be great help, and that is the uh, Purpose Driven Life in 40 Days, and we identify the next 40 days after a person comes to Christ, and we try to help them to get uh, uh, established. You can use other things that we're talking about that could be done. There's a second level, and I just want to show you this, uh, and that is uh, that you can have a discipleship class. And the General Evangelism Committee has redone the work of Dr. Robert Klein, and we have a volume one and a volume two of discipleship lessons for growing believers. You can order these on Amazon. There's a leader's guide, and there's also uh, a, a one and two where you can have a discipleship class, and people can understand and know how to get started. It, it talks about many different things, about how to pray, how to overcome temptation, uh, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to reach a sanctified life, how to witness to others. Uh, it's a discipleship class that helps new Christians get started. And then the third is that in-depth discipleship, which means after they've gone through the initial discipleship and discipleship class, then we use what we call growth tracks here at Cap City. We can get that for you. Um, but then it begins either getting into a small group or a one-on-one -on -one time. I really believe as much as I, my heart burns for evangelism and our, our denomination is burning for evangelism, discipleship is the missing link in many churches and we need to somehow understand what are we going to do with the person who comes to christ what are we how are we going to teach them and how are we going to help them to grow in christ and then the one that i tell you that i'm so excited for a great commission community christ follower what is that a great community christian a christ follower is an individual who makes a commitment to reach out to their neighbors Whoa. with the love and message of Jesus Christ. In modern-day America, we really don't know our neighbors. We just kind of watch the garage doors go up and down. Um, a community Christ follower says, I want to make a commitment to reach out, to build a relationship. A, a community Christ follower begins by walking around their neighborhood or driving around their neighborhood. I'm not talking about the whole city right now. I'm talking about your neighborhood. And, and walking or driving around the neighborhood, praying for each house, even if you don't know their names, praying that God will bring them uh, into a relationship with you. And then a community Christ follower attempts to build relationships with neighbors as opportunities arise. There is a young lady that is a part of Cap City Church. Her name is Judy Trimble Croom. And uh, she right now is on a mission trip to Egypt. Uh, she is our church missionary, and she's, she's doing wonderful work in Egypt, just left this last week. But in her neighborhood, she is the one who is kind of helping us with our community Christ followers here at Cap City. And she has done something called uh, Cupcakes and Conversation. And she just invites her neighbors to come and to sit down, have cupcake, and just have a cup of coffee. 
and they sit there and talk, and eventually uh, it comes up about, well, what do you do, and why are you doing this, and, and somehow she can begin to identify, and you have to build a relationship with them before you can reach them for Christ. And then finally, a community Christ follower attempts to share the love and message of Jesus Christ with his or her neighbors as opportunities arise. Mike Holbrook, our general superintendent, has talked a great deal about how God has laid his neighbors on his heart. He talked about his mother who had someone on her heart that she really wanted to lead to Christ and bake the person a pie. And eventually it led them to a conversation that eventually led that person to coming to church, that eventually led to them really getting involved in the church and knowing Christ. Mike Holbrook has talked about his neighbor that he wanted to witness to and he had a heart attack, and so Mike helped him with the grass. Don't you love a general superintendent that's willing to go out and cut the grass for his neighbor? Uh, I do. And, and he was able to lead this person to Christ. So a great commission community Christ follower. A great community Christian Christ follower tries to bless his neighborhood or her neighborhood. And the word bless is an acrostic for be, that you begin to pray for one another, for this other neighbor. L, you listen intentionally to the other person. Listen to their story. Listen to what they're saying. Witnessing isn't always about just you sharing. It's about listening. E, eat something with them, even if it's a cupcake or a cookie or, or grill a hot dog or, or have an ice cream or do something. Eat with them. I had a friend tell me you never know a man or a woman until you break bread with them. S stands for serve them. Try to, try to help them in some way. And then S is to share your story with them, how God has changed your life. Our vision for a Great Commission church and our mission is found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8. And I, I want to read this mission because as I was preaching our Lily Lake camp this year and getting ready for this, it's like God kind of opened a door and I began to understand that this is my life work. Trying to help people, first of all, understand the gospel. And that only happens when we build a relationship and share with them. But then not just understand it. If just understanding it would work, all we'd have to do is drop a thousand tracks somewhere and people would understand the gospel, but they must have an opportunity to respond. And so our mission found in Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, verses 5 through 8. In fact, if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's a book called Amazing Grace. Uh, I've preached a whole series on this, Amazing Grace, of what grace has done in us, what grace has done for us, what grace wants to do through us. And in chapter 3, Paul talks about what God's grace wants to do through us. Let's look at chapter 5. This is what Paul said about his own life. God did not reveal this to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. 
Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ Jesus. You say, well, what's the gospel? If you know this one verse, you understand the whole Bible. If you know this one verse, you know the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you be a great commission Christian? Will you be a Great Commission church and understand that there needs to be a witness, there needs to be praying, there needs to be discipleship, there needs to be community Christ followers, and our mission is to help others to understand and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take a few minutes. Reflect on it. Think about it. Discuss it. Refresh yourself. And we'll return at 8.30 for our final session.